0: Welcome to Storytime with Michael Kingswood. I'm Michael Kingswood, and I write science fiction and fantasy. I used to be in the Navy, spent 20 years doing submarine operations, among other cool things. Learned to fly planes, learned to scuba dive, had a bunch of kids, saw the world, and I started writing fiction. In this podcast, I'm going to be sharing my stories with you in the hope that you'll have fun, and also that you'll like my stuff and come back for more. And maybe help brother out with buying a book or two. So uh, sit back, relax. And I'm gonna tell you a story. Hey friends, it's Michael Kingswood. And it's story time. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, hey Kingswood, you've achieved maximum hair awesomeness. Man, that's uh, getting pretty close to true. But that's not why you came here today. You came here to hear about uh, about uh, books and new chapters read and uh, things like that so we are gonna continue with that hopefully um no reason not to after all this is a pillar milestone event today we'll be going through chapters 17 and 18 of outdweller glimmervale chronicles number two which puts us at the end of the day halfway through the book yay the crowd goes wild um And hopefully that's because you've been liking the book. Otherwise, you wouldn't still be tuning in, would you? Um, So, uh, not a whole lot of news to share. uh, So, we'll just get straight into it. Um, Again, this was written by me a few years back. read by Kevin Sapp last year when he did the audiobook. We ran a successful Kickstarter campaign to fund it. And we'll be doing another one of those here soon because... Meaning to do the rest of the series in audio and uh, haven't gotten around to it. Did try to do a campaign for book three last year, about a month after the one for Out the Weller. I don't think I just tried to do it too quick. And of course, that was right when everything was hitting the fan with lockdowns and all this stuff. So I'll give it another try now, and uh, I'm sure we'll do a little better and uh, get those out either way. That's all coming soon. Um, Yeah, but that distracted me from the whole purpose of getting you to the next couple chapters. So sit down, relax, enjoy. Kevin will tell you a story, and I will talk to you after these two chapters in a couple minutes.
1: 17. Miscalculation. They did not. Julian and Radric met at their office just before dawn, with the intent to get back to questioning Lauren again as soon as he woke. Maybe the initial disorientation of waking would shake loose some of the obstinence and get him to reveal something more. Should have known better. After a fruitless half hour, during which the only thing they managed to accomplish was establishing that the jail rations were not up to Lauren's exacting standards, they left the cell block with no more answers than they had to begin with. Maybe we're- Julian began. Radric raised a finger to his lips and nodded toward the cell block door. Julian shut his mouth. His words would carry to Lauren's ears easily through the bars. He followed Radric out to the front porch and closed the door, then began again. Maybe we're going about this wrong. Radric quirked an eyebrow at him. You think he's innocent? Julian shrugged. Didn't say that. But you have doubts. Julian spread his hands helplessly. Radric nodded. Me too. He sighed and looked away. "'Toward the intersection with Main Street. "'Damn it, we acted too soon, didn't we?' "'Hardly a surprise.' Melanie's voice, so unexpected right then, made Julian jump. "'He spun around and found her sitting on one of the paired chairs on the far end of the porch. "'He had not noticed her there when they came out. Radrick was similarly surprised. "'He sputtered for a half-second. "'Melody, what?' "'He stopped and glanced toward the office door, as though checking to make sure it was still closed.' What are you doing here? He finished, in a more quiet tone. She smiled slightly and ran her hands down her legs, smoothing her dress. It was dark green today, laced in yellow gold near the hems. Checking up on you, of course. When I heard what happened last night, her smile grew more broad. I would have loved to have been there to see you hit him. Julian did not have to work hard to keep from smiling in return. You know something, don't you? Why don't you just spit it out? Melanie's smile faded a bit. She pushed a lock of her hair back over her ear and shrugged. I know a lot of things, but as to Lauren's guilt for the murders... She shrugged. I'd like to think he's guilty so he can get his just desserts, but I don't see why he would have done it. What's the gain? Some people don't need to see any gain to kill someone. The killing is the gain to them. Melanie frowned slightly, then inclined her head, conceding Julian's point. But he is too smart for that radrick said if he were the bloodthirsty type he would at least do it in a manner that he wouldn't be caught killing in a way that only a mage could it's too simple to pin it on him julian was forced to concede that that tracks so why do you have him locked up in your cell block melanie threw her hands up and rose from her chair shaking her head with a mixture of amusement and exasperation she strode past them and descended the stairs to the street still shaking her head Honestly, you two, she looked over her shoulder at them and did not even try to keep the snark from her voice. She would have fit nicely in the magisterium, if only they allowed women. You truly are incredible. She did not make that sound good at all. She strode away in that half-sachet she used when she walked that made her hips sway oh so enticingly. Julian could not help but watch until she disappeared from view around the corner to Main Street. She's right, you know. Julian nodded. We've stepped in it this time. Mayor's gonna have our heads, assuming Lauren leaves anything left for him. Radric sighed. He ran his hand through his hair and just looked out at the street, almost empty of traffic at this still early hour. Finally, he said, Let's set him loose. 18. Trading Secrets Lauren sat in front of Radric's desk and looked at him with coldly contemptuous eyes. The dark scowl on his lips made a grim counterpoint to the swollen bruise that dominated his right cheek. That must have pained him something fierce, but he had made no complaint, and it did not seem to faze him at all as he spoke. Well... Julian, standing to Radric's right, looked away from the mage, toward the front door of their office, and for a moment almost hoped that someone would come in, like the mayor maybe. Now that was a stupid thought. I apologize, Radrix said, for how we behave toward you, Magister Haversted. He cleared his throat and lowered his eyes toward the top of his desk for a moment. Then he took a deep breath and forced himself to meet the mage's gaze once more. We jumped to conclusions. I have no excuse. Loren kept his eyes locked on Radrix for several seconds. Then he sniffed and looked toward Julian. As his eyes met the mages, Julian felt his blood run cold. There was deadly menace there. The promise of retribution to come, that no force in the world could prevent. He tried to swallow, but his mouth had suddenly gone dry. And you? Julian inclined his head, the way a man did when conceding defeat in the sparring ring. Sincere apologies, Magister. Loren waited for a half minute, then gave the quickest of nods. I accept your apology. He flashed a smile that oozed condescension. You are dealing with forces beyond your understanding and comprehension. You can be forgiven for being... abrupt. Julian ground his teeth to keep himself from voicing a retort in keeping with the mage's condescension. Fun as that would have been, it really would not do. Not after he and Raedric had put their feet into it so deeply with him. Silence loomed for another half-minute. Then Loren stood and pulled his shirt—it was more a tunic than a shirt, truth be told—straight. He picked up his staff, which lay propped against the office wall, and the satchel, which contained his other goods. Good day, gentlemen, he said, and turned toward the door. Wait! Loren stopped, looking back at Radric with a quirked eyebrow. You know something, Magister, Radric said. Something about what's been going on here, the murders. A smirk was the mage's only response. Raedric rolled his eyes. Damn it, people are dying. Our people. And we are the ones who are supposed to keep them safe. The only thing we can tell is that they were killed with magic. If you know something, tell us. He paused, then drew a deep breath and added, Please. That had to hurt. It made Julian's stomach lurch just hearing his friend all but beg from this man. But Raedric was right. It had to be a mage committing these murders and if it was not Lauren, and it certainly was not Melanie, that left the two of them without a clue as to the culprit. If Lauren could offer any help at all, it would be better than what they had at this point. Lauren's smirk faded, and he regarded first Raytrick and then Julian with unblinking, probing eyes for a relative eternity. Finally, he let out his breath in an annoyed sigh and nodded very slightly. "'Very well,' He leaned his staff back against the wall and settled down into the chair he had just vacated. Leaning back in the chair, he steepled his fingers together in front of his chest and fixed the two of them with a look so severe, so commanding, that Julian found himself unable to look away. I am here on Magisterium business. Not this again. You said that before... Julian's jaw snapped shut, cutting off his words as Lauren's gaze became something deathly hard. I did and you would have been wise to pay heed to my words. Were it not for your meddling, I may have brought the recent misfortune to an end days ago. Julian squirmed on his feet, trying in vain to look away. borin remained silent for a time, his scowl returning in spades as he watched Julian. Then, finally, he shook his head. I suppose you cannot be blamed for your ignorance. I sometimes forget how little the uninitiated understand of the real world. That evoked a slight grin from the mage. Somehow, that was even more disconcerting than the scowl. Loren broke the stare with Julian and put his attention fully back onto Radric. I came here in pursuit of a fugitive, one I have been tracking for some time. He passed through Mangin City a few weeks ago. There were only a very few places he could have gone from there, and I had traces set up in all of them. His eyebrow quirked upward again. Except here. And you did not inform us. Radric's words came out coldly, laced with entire layers of accusation. Of course not. He is a member of the Magisterium, not some chattel subject to your laws. And anyway, you could not wield power over such as he, even if you had the right to make the attempt. Radric had no response to that, apparently. He just scowled. He did not like the fact that Loren was right about the limits of their jurisdiction any more than Julian did. Far less, actually, Julian was willing to bet. What did he do? Julian asked. It had to be something big. Lauren's lips twisted into an expression of distaste. You are familiar with the theorem of parallel universes? Julian blinked his eyes. The what of the what? Radric looked as clueless as Julian felt. The expression of distaste on Lauren's face became one of disgust. He rolled his eyes. The alternate planes of existence? Oh, that. Why didn't you say so? Julian only thought Lauren looked disgusted before. The look the mage shot him was, well, Julian had seen his general look at a new recruit who had just been convicted of cowardice before the enemy once. The general had more respect in his eyes than Lauren did just then. The mage inhaled deeply and closed his eyes for a moment as though trying to will himself to calm. Then, very slowly, he said, there are beings who live on other planes of existence than the world we know. Some of them are the entities we call the gods, though that is far from an accurate description and gives most of them more credit than they are due. Don't let the temple priests hear you say that, Radric said wryly. Lauren shrugged. The ignorant always apply supernatural properties or divinity to the things they do not understand. He sniffed and made a dismissive gesture. They count for nothing. The important thing is that these beings exist, and with skill and care can be contacted. Some are benign. Others... He trailed off and lifted an eyebrow meaningfully. Julian swallowed. He had a bad feeling he knew where this was going. The fugitive made a practice of communicating with the outdwellers, as we call them. This is not unusual amongst the more skilled of our order, but he... Lauren shook his head. He became obsessed. At some point, he began to believe he had a special bond with one being in particular, that he was this being's ambassador to the material world, or maybe his avatar. It is difficult to know the ravings of a broken mind. Regardless, he resisted all attempts to dissuade him from his studies until, finally, we were forced to bar him from entrance to the facilities where transplanar contact can be performed. I imagine he did not react well to that. Laura nodded at Raydric's words, though we did not know how poorly for some time. He disappeared into relative obscurity, and we presumed that, unable to continue that path, he found other avenues of study to occupy himself. He sighed. That presumption ended up being unwise. Corpses began appearing in the city. Thieves, whores, drunks. A few here and there horribly mutilated. But, at first, no one paid them much mind, because who really cares if the dregs of society turn up dead? Better for all concerned, no? No. Raedric's voice was hard. Loren's eyebrow quirked upward, but his expression remained smooth. But a member of the Magisterium turned up dead, in his quarters. I do not need to describe how his body was arranged. You have seen it. His name was Matthäus and he led the commission that sat in judgment on our fugitive. An investigation revealed a startling truth. He had been killed by non-human magical means. "'Non-human,' Julian said. "'That doesn't... make any sense.' Lauren made a soft, tisking sound. "'We thought the same. It was only after two more of our brothers turned up dead that we realized the truth. The fugitive had somehow designed a way to bring his familiar outdweller into our world.' He set the outdweller against those he considered immoral, and it was happy to oblige, to sate its hunger for pain and terror. Then, once he was sure of their alliance, he turned the outdweller on the members of our order he believed had betrayed him. We attempted to take him into custody, but he managed to evade us. Four of our inquisitors were killed in the process. He fled into the country, and we've been looking for him ever since. He left signs of his passage. Corpses, mostly. Always mutilated in the same way. Always people on the fringe of society, or morally corrupt in some way. It has been speculated that he targets them out of some deluded notion that he is doing good. But more likely, the outdweller prefers the taste of such dregs. Julian rocked back on his heels, stunned by the mage's account. He had never heard of anything that even came close to matching this, ever. He glanced at Radric and saw that his friend was similarly taken aback, though he hid it well behind an implacable mask. "'Does this fugitive have a name?' Radric asked. "'Of course, but I will not speak it. He knows he is being hunted, and it is perfectly within his capability to enact tracer spells that would let him know when his name is spoken, where and by whom.' "'So?' Julian said incredulously. "'He has to know you're in town if he's here.' You've not exactly been keeping out of sight. There is a good chance he may not. He tends to keep out of public places, preferring hidey-holes and the like, but even if he has seen me, he cannot know that I am hunting him specifically. That was a big assumption. Not one Julian would have been comfortable making were he in Lauren's shoes. But whatever. What the mage did with his skin was his own business. If this man is as dangerous as you say, Radric said, Dangerous enough to kill four of your order during his escape. How is it that you are here alone? Julian nodded. Yeah, I would want backup if I were you. Then it is a very good thing you are not me, Constable, Loren replied. He leaned back in his chair and regarded the pair of them for a moment, then smirked. I am quite capable of dealing with him. He was my student before he went awry. He was never my equal, and that remains true to this day. "'Hubris, thy name is Lauren. But, again, it was his skin to risk. Just so long as he stayed away from— "'All right, so how can we help?' Julian looked incredulously at Radric. Was he nuts? Defending the townsfolk was one thing, but they had neither the expertise nor the equipment to deal with this rogue mage and his pet—whatever Lauren called it. Better to let Lauren handle it if he was so certain he could. Julian opened his mouth to say that very thing— but he was silenced by the determined look in Radric's eyes. Julian suppressed an inward groan. There would be no getting through to him. When Radric had that expression, he was as stubborn as a mule. Lawrence snorted. Just stay out of my way. Radric quirked an eyebrow at the mage. You were here for quite a while before we... He flashed an apologetic smile. Picked you up. But you were not able to find him. Seems to me having local assistance can only be helpful. The mage shook his head. He is using concealing magic, but there are ways to see past that sort of thing, or to track the magical residue left by its use. His trail was fresh. I would have found him rather quickly, except... He stopped talking, frowning as though unsure whether to proceed or not. Except what? Julian said. He did not get to play the mysterious mage anymore, not now. Lauren looked at him, and for a second Julian thought the mage was going to rip his head off but then, instead, Lawrence sighed and nodded as though coming to a decision. "'Except he has found an ally here.' "'What?' Radric sounded more angry than shocked. "'He has an ally. At least one. At first, I was only able to detect one person's concealment spell. But then, about a day after I arrived, a second individual began using concealing magic here. Wait, you can tell when different people cast different spells?' "'Lauren smirked. "'Of course. "'Every practitioner is different, has his own unique temperament and focus when he casts a spell. "'That uniqueness passes on into his spells, and if one is knowledgeable and skilled enough, "'one can pick out those unique elements.' "'I had no idea,' Radric said, turning eyes that were suddenly troubled toward Julian for a heartbeat "'before looking back at Lauren and carefully schooling his face back to calm.' Julian swallowed, suddenly feeling faint with tension as his heart leapt into his throat. That second residue could only come from one person. "'It is not an easy talent to master,' Loren said, looking amused at their reactions. "'But it is quite useful. There is something familiar about the accomplice's residue. I can't quite put my finger on it, but—' He shrugged. "'No matter.' I will locate them both, and they will answer for their crimes, not just against the magisterium, but against your people as well, I assure you. It is only a matter of time. Lawrence smiled at them confidently, and his dark eyes twinkled with cold anticipation. Just then he looked like a predator getting ready to leap upon an unwary prey.
0: All right, halfway through the book, and that escalated quickly. Bad guy mage on the run. So you're killing bad mate, guy mage on the run. And Lauren is after him, of course. And Melanie is not nearly as sneaky, cool as she thought she was. Lots of trouble lining up for the boys and their girlfriend. Not really girlfriend, but you, you know what I mean. Better tune in next week to find out what happens next. Or go by the book. As storytelling.com, you can find my book and every book I've written. There's dozens of things there. You get them in any format you want for the most part. Uh, some, of, some of them don't have audio versions yet because that's costly to hire somebody. And I have read a number of these stories myself here on the podcast. And the ones, my early podcast episodes, that was not good with audio. So I didn't turn those into audio books. But the more recent ones I have and... You can find those there. You can also find them and uh, and pretty much everything's in print and, and ebook as well. So, and going straight to me, and that's me more money. You can go to Amazon and all these other places, but, uh, and then you got the middleman and that's annoying and, you know, you want to support the author more than the big billion dollar company, right? Yeah, I think so too. So go to SSN and, storytelling deck, put gum and bit, pick up the book. If you're unable to or don't want to, that's acceptable. You can leave a tip on the website, or you can just, on uh, michaelkingswood.com, though. Uh, or you can just uh, come back next week, tune in to the next episode, and see what happens in the next two uh, chapters. We will be continuing on uh, then, and we'll see where it proceeds. But in the meantime, do please uh, tell all your buddies. Like the video or the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the video. all well, the, the various sites need different things. Do what you got to do. Just help spread the word. I would appreciate it, and then come back next time, and we'll do it it again and have more fun in the Glimmervale world. Until then, don't do anything I wouldn't do. Thanks for listening to Storytime with Michael Kingswood. You can find me online at michaelkingswood.com. I'm also on Facebook and Twitter. My web store is ssnstorytelling.com, where you can find all my books in your favorite formats. Purchasing through the web store nets me the most profit, But if you prefer, I'm also on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, and all the other usual e-tailers. If you want to learn about new releases, sign up for my mailing list through the contact form at my website. I guarantee not to spam you. Only send an email when I have some news to share. Storytime with Michael Kingswood is copyright of Michael Kingswood. Intro and outro music copyright Gene Paul Zogby, licensed through stockmusic.net. All rights reserved.